You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K P-O-D at checkout and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store at 50% off and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts absolutely free as part of your offer. This is such a great deal and this is just for you Disability After Dark listeners and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clona Willy or Clona Pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. 
the things about being disabled we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am your delectable host, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello. Let's get started. First thing is first, I want to give a shout out to my amazing Patreon peeps who keep the bright light shining on disability stories. And for today, the person I'm going to give a shout out to is Alex Angel Cutie, who pledges 10 pounds a year for the year, which is amazing. And I love that people are able to access the yearly amounts if it works for them. So... Alex Angel Cutie, you are indeed cutie, and I hope you enjoy being such a cutie. I never said the puns are good, but Alex Angel Cutie, thank you so much for your pledge. Really, really means a lot. If you want to support the show monetarily and you want to listen to the show one day early, completely ad-free, you can do so by... Pledging as little as $1 a month, or $5 a month, or more, or yearly amount, if that works for you, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Anything you do to support the show, even a review, even um, a pledge, or just telling your friends and listening, I appreciate it all. So, if you're listening and you can't pledge... I fully understand. Don't worry about it. Thank you so much. But now, on to the show. For the episode today, I wanted to do something similar to the episodes we do about seasonal dating tips. And I wanted to do something about self-care. I've been thinking about self-care a lot recently. And I've been really thinking about how super inaccessible so much of what we consider self-care to be is for disabled people and people with disabilities. And so much of this idea of self-care doesn't actually take into account what the needs of a lot of the disabled community are. And I wanted to look at it. I want to look at some of the popular self-care ideas that are out there that are being floated around in all the listicles and on all the websites for all of us right now. I wanted to look at what is self-care, what it, what is being touted as a self-care idea, and unpack their accessibility or inaccessibility of these supposed self-care things you can do for yourself. So really similar to what we've done with with Procrip tips for dating um, and and the, the dating options, uh, but all about self-care because I think we need to look at accessibility in the self-care realm and, and uncover how truly inaccessible it can be sometimes. So I'm calling this episode, Are These Self-Care Tips Actually Accessible? And... There was so much, there's probably going to be a part two of this one. But I'm really, really excited to kind of tear into self-care and find out ways that so much of self-care is not actually accessible. So, let's dive right in. Not surprisingly, as we've seen in so many other listicles out there, when we've done the dating, the seasonal sex tips or the, the dating tip shows... So much of what's out there in, in the lists, in every single one of the ones that I explored, there was not any mention of accessibility or disability at all. Not anywhere in what I was seeing was disability mentioned. So naturally, I was like, well, if there's not going to be disability there, I'm going to have to talk about it. And, and that's kind of what I want to do today, is to bring disability into the discussion of self-care and just take... Again, take some of your popular things that are all about self-care and infuse disability into there to talk about 
the reality of these things for disabled people. Now, I can't speak for every single disabled person, so I used myself as kind of like the model of the things that I was looking at. So when I looked at self-care, I considered, you know, how would this work for a wheelchair user? How would this work for, you know, somebody with chronic pain? How would this work for stuff like that? For some of these things, some of you may be listening and you may be like, I can do that, but a lot of disabled people might not be able to. So that's the metric that we're going to engage these things on today. And so I want to explore why a lot of these self-care things are inaccessible and then look at look at some of them that are also accessible and maybe explore the ways to make some of them more accessible than they are right now. So let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and dive into self-care and accessibility. The very first one that I saw when I pulled up things to do for self-care, the very first one I saw was to give yourself a pedicure or a manicure. And right away, as somebody with disabilities and, and somebody with issues with dexterity and bending and, and, and muscle spasms and all the things that I contend with, I immediately was like doing, doing a manicure or pedicure as somebody with a disability and tightness in both my hands and legs. This one just felt like a logistics nightmare and it didn't feel entirely safe to boot. And for me as a disabled person, I kept envisioning me trying to like reach my, ha- my hands and reach my toes and try to do all this. And it just didn't seem, it just didn't feel practical for me. And let's talk about why. The idea of giving myself a manicure or pedicure feels completely inaccessible to me because I can't bend over to reach my toes by myself. I can't even bend over because I have rods in my spine, so I cannot bend over at all. There's no way that's happening, not even a little bit. Um, And all of my muscles have major, major spasticity to contend with all the time. My muscles are always tight, especially in my hands hands and feet. Those muscles are particularly tight all the time. So the idea of doing a manicure or pedicure is really hard. And my mom used to do esthetician. She used to be an esthetician. And she used to try to give me, like, just to file my nails down was a whole journey and a half for her to do that because of the tightness in my hands. And I hated it because... My hands and my cuticles were really sensitive because of disability and I just could not relax to do it. So the whole idea of going from a mani or a petty just feels completely not possible for me. When anyone where I live right now, when anyone helps me cut my nails, um, it's an absolute nightmare because none of my muscles can relax ever and none of my muscles can, can I can't, I cannot relax when, when you're cutting any of my nails or doing anything with my hands or feet. My, my body is completely tense. So the idea of me trying to cut my own nails and wielding a tiny sharp knife, which is basically what you would need for um, to do a mani-pedi. You have like a tiny sharp cutters and clippers and filers and like those things that you gouge the nail beds out with. Those things are sharp and I can just see myself like accidentally having a spasm and doing things with that where it's just super not safe. And I don't want to gouge myself with a with a nail clipper, okay? I don't hurt myself or I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to be, I just don't want to have a tiny knife with my level of spasticity. It just doesn't feel safe. I also think that for people with various disabilities and various types of disabilities that can cause bleeding, the idea of giving yourself a manicure or pedicure also doesn't feel safe for those individuals if you bleed a lot. And so a lot of people, when they go to cut my nails, they ask me about my medical history because they don't want to cut me too deep to start bleeding. So I feel like the idea of going for a manicure and pedicure if you have a bleeding disorder or a disability that causes excess bleeding is probably unwise. Um, I And I think about pedicure specifically for myself as somebody with a disability, 
the idea of going to get a pedicure feels, again, inaccessible because I know that my toes curl over themselves because of the CP. They're really tight all the time, and they lock sometimes my toes. And I just feel like me trying to sit there to get my toes to unlock so that I can do a pedicure just does not feel like does not feel like a day of self-care for me or a day of self-care that I would want to engage in at all quite frankly um it doesn't feel fun it feels it the whole idea makes me think of pain makes me think of discomfort and is not I, I think goes against the whole idea of what self-care is supposed to be um also Almost all the day spas out there are not super accessible or accommodating to those with disabilities. I remember when my mom worked at her esthetician shop, most of what she was doing could not accommodate my wheelchair. And and the few barber shops that I've been into in my adult life um, have been completely inaccessible to a wheelchair user, to anybody with a mobility device, anybody with, you know, certain disabilities could not go in to this to the to these kind of establishments because you, you might be thinking well Andrew if you can't do it yourself go to a spa and I would love that idea but but so many of them don't seem to cater to these clientele so that's why I think we definitely need a spa called Spastique that totally caters to disabled clientele I can picture it now you would have attendant care workers there who would help you get in and get signed in. You would have Hoyer lifts and lifters and special chairs and chairs that would move away for the wheelchair to go in and special, like, drying your hair places for your hair and stuff. It could be super, super fun and totally only cater to disabled clientele. Well, maybe it could cater to everybody, but it, it could specifically specialize in dealing with the disabled population, and I think there would be such a fun spa day. I would love to take a group of, like, disabled friends there and just have a totally accessible spa day. They could have, like, special nail clippers, which I know they have for disabled people. They could have special shampoos and special things for people with different skin stuff. A lot of disabled people have psoriasis. They could have, you know, um, uh, they could have... The whole place could be unscented for people with scent disabilities and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we really need to do this. So anybody who wants to start the Spastique Day Spa with me, let me know. I'd love to. I'd love to chat with you. For those of you living with attendant care who are thinking to yourselves, why don't you just get the attendant care worker to do it for you? Or for attendants who are, who'd be like, I'll do it for you. You'd be surprised to see how how much I had to fight when I first moved into care to get my nails cut. I've had to fight so hard just to get my nails cut properly. And I've had so many fights with different staff members about just getting these basic hygiene things done. I've had staff tell me that, that you know, I could bleed, that I, that it's a liability if they hurt me. And, you know, they, they have protocols in place where they have to bring a nurse in to cut your nails for you. So it becomes less about self-care and totally gets turned into a medical thing, which is no fun for anyone. And so, like, you know, I would love a mani-pedi that I could actually access and it could make it a fun day for me. But instead, because everybody's so worried about variability, I'm forced to consider having a nurse come to medicalize cutting my fingers and toes, cutting my fingers and toenails. Like, it's just so, it's so silly. So that just shows you how inaccessible the idea of just going for a mani and pedi are. The second one I saw, and I saw this one pop up on so many different listicles, when I was doing, when I was looking up what self-care was, I saw this on about four listicles today when I was prepping this. And I've been thinking about this one so much because the idea of getting organized and getting organized or decluttering your space or whatever came up so much. And for me as a wheelchair user, 
I realized just how inaccessible the idea of decluttering my space is. Let me explain. As somebody with CP who's a full-time wheelchair user and who can't really do anything without a lot of help, I like to leave a lot of my stuff laying out in what looks like clutter, but I like to leave it out so that I can actually reach it. When things are put away the proper way or the way that like most of these non-disabled decluttering people like to advise you to put stuff away, I actually can't reach it. And because my apartment isn't very accessible to me, which I'll get to in a minute, I can't actually access anything on my own without help if you put everything away. A lot of the articles I read about about decluttering and getting organized and how that makes you feel better is that they understand that people are embarrassed by the fact that, that you know you have clutter and they're embarrassed that your guests will see things strewn about your house and oh how unseemly that there are things outside your house and how how ridiculous that is and how 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 embarrassing for you that someone's gonna see like all these things everywhere, your house should be neat and tidy to present this idea of like of like of like cleanliness and, and happiness within your home. And I hated seeing this in the articles because I was like, I don't really care if someone sees my clutter because when they see my clutter, I will explain to them that the clutter is because I need I need to be able to reach things and I need things to be in my reach and I need in order for me to be truly independent in my home I need things to be to be close to me and if that means a whole bunch of things have to have to be outside and have to look you know unkempt then so be it and and I'm okay with that I am more embarrassed as a disabled person being unable to reach for things on my own while I while I have a guest there so many times I've invited people into my home and had to be like can you get this for me? Can you get this thing for me? And it's so embarrassing for me because I wish that I could say, I want, I can grab this. Let me grab this. No problem. And by having things left out for me within a cluttery but reachable space, I can actually achieve that. Also, just to go on a brief side tangent because I feel this next point in my bones and I want to talk about it. And I've wanted to talk about it for a long time on this show, but I didn't feel like I could because I was like, we have to only talk about certain things, but fuck it. I want to share my feelings on this. Why aren't, quote, accessible apartments actually accessible? And why aren't they made to the specific access needs for the disabled person that's living in them? I will never understand why the only way we look at access is to have your to have your wheelchair or your mobility device in the space and nothing else is done. That's literally what I feel like my, my quote, accessible apartment is. And it makes me really, 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 really upset like four or five times a day. And I just get so fucking angry about it because I can't, I can't, I can't reach anything. I can't, I can't do anything. In my home, for example, all the cupboards are simply too high. There's no way somebody who lives their life in a seated position can actually reach anything. I can't reach any cups, can't reach any cutlery, can't reach the sinks on my own to wash my hands, can't brush my teeth because I can't fit my wheelchair underneath the the edge of the edge of the sink. Don't worry, I still get somebody to help me brush my teeth. But I can't do these things independently especially if things are put away in their quote-unquote proper place, then I simply can't reach anything because none of it was actually produced with a wheelchair user in mind. And that's, it's mind-boggling. And frankly, it's upsetting that I can't do that. And I always think, how can I organize anything if I can't reach it? How could I declutter my home like this self-care listicle suggests if I actually can't reach anything and it pisses me off so much the level of how much I can't reach anything in my own house 
and it just, I could do a whole podcast series about the inaccessibility of just my home, but it's really, really frustrating that that these apartments are not designed in concert with a disabled person. I saw that episode of of um, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy where they where they they work with that guy to make his home accessible, and he was a wheelchair user. I wish that we would do something like that for disabled people to make their apartments actually truly accessible for them. Because right now, so many, quote, accessible apartments are not accessible. And that makes me really angry. Many of the articles that talked about decluttering and and changing your, and, and organizing your home so you feel better mention things like, Oh, you'll find peace in the organization. You'll find happiness in not being cluttered, and you'll find joy in it. And it, like we've seen with Mary Kondo, like if if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it and reorganize your life. But I, as a disabled person, got to tell you, I will feel far more anxious if I can't reach any anything in my own house, and I can't actually get to anything. Because then, how are you calling it accessible, and how can I? live my life if I can't actually reach what's in my home. And I wish we would look at that when we considered the accessibility of these places that disabled people are lived in. Yes, they may be subsidized. And yes, they may be quote-unquote accessible insofar as you can get your wheelchair in them, but that doesn't mean that they're actually accessible for you to do anything inside. And that's a huge problem. The next one I saw show up on a bunch of listicles was I saw, to, oh, just move your body. Just get moving. Just do all the things. Just go to that class. Just move around. Just go for a walk. Do all the things. I that I saw that all the time in the listicles when I did the, did the research. And I just kept thinking about people with complex disabilities who are full-time wheelchair users like me who can't physically move their bodies very much, what can they do? How can they be included here? And I was really angry when I kept seeing move your body, but I didn't see any any correlation or any discussion at all of disability because we can tell whoever wrote the listicle isn't disabled, didn't even give it a second thought. And that's really frustrating to see this in the media time and time again, and, and especially in written and digital print media to see a lack of discussion about disability in these kind of listicles. It should be being talked about every single time, and it wasn't here. Many of the articles that I wrote that focused on moving your body would say phrases like, just simply get out of your chair, or just take a brisk walk around the block, as if these things were super simple, easy, and I kept thinking in my head like, do you know how much I wish sometimes as a wheelchair user that I could just get up out of my chair and take a brisk walk and stretch my body and feel okay? Do you know how much I wish that I could do that? But it's not as simple as simply take a brisk walk. It doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. And it's it's super ableist to, to couch it that way. It's not at all hard to see the ableism in, in those statements. And the complete lack of thought of the disabled community in this particular line of self-care. For so many people with disabilities, particularly for those of us who use wheelchairs, the idea of just getting out of your chair can take a team of people, sometimes two or three, some Hoyer lifts, a sling. We've talked about this before, but to see a lack of this discussion in just a general listicle, shows that disabled people are not considered in everyday discussions unless, uh, if we were talking about moving your body in terms of disability for like a disability journal or a disability article, maybe sure, but it's, the fact that it's not in there in just a listicle is just, it makes me so angry. Also, people who write listicles, if you want to hire me to write disability-themed listicles, I want to do that for you. 100%. We could call them cryptsticles. I'm totally here for it. Let's do that. 
Also, in terms of moving your body, for people who have invisible disabilities and disabilities like POTS or EDS or any kind of chronic pain or any kind of pain issue, the idea of a, quote, brisk walk could lead to fainting, dislocation, blood pressure stuff could go up and down, or other things that aren't really considered in these self-care lists. And so I'll say it again. Don't you wish these self-care lists were actually written by or in concert with actual disabled people? I sure do. The next one I saw for in the listicles that I thought I, I saw two and I thought I would combine them. I saw a lot of people a lot of listicles for self-care saying that you need to stay hydrated. And then a whole bunch of other ones that said you should drink tea. And I thought those two things could go together. So let's talk about that. From an accessibility standpoint, the idea of staying hydrated and then drinking tea, both of those things come with a whole host and issues of accessibility things that I want to, that I want to, um, explore with you now. So let's talk about staying hydrated first. Staying hydrated can be very difficult if you live in an inaccessible apartment like I do and you can't actually reach any of the cutlery or the cups or the glasses or anything that actually goes along with getting yourself a glass of water. Also, let's think for a minute. If you have spastic CP like I do or any kind of spasm or any kind of like any kind of motor function issue with your body that makes you have spasms. What if you go to reach for the glass of water and you have a spasm and you break the glass and you hurt yourself or you go to reach for the sink and you're able to just turn the sink on to get that glass of water but you can't actually turn the sink off and then your whole apartment floods and all these problems happen what happens then? What do we do if, if that's a thing? Um, and I, these are things that I think about because that's what happens when you when we don't consider accessibility in these kinds of, quote, accessible apartments. And then, with furthermore to the idea of staying hydrated, then if you are able to actually get enough water, depending on your disability level or ability level, if you have to go pee or use the bathroom, chances are if you have complex disabilities, you'll probably need help. Or maybe if you don't need physical help, getting to the bathroom can be hard if you have joint pain or tr trouble walking or fainting spells or dislocations, all that stuff. It can be hard to get to the actual washroom if you have to. So, and if you, if you pee, this will increase the chance that you may or may not need assistance if you have disabilities. And ass assistance can sometimes not be av available right away or, or take its time or be or be late or, you know, things can happen where if you're drinking a lot and you really have to pee and no one's there, it can be really stressful because you're like, I'm doing the right things, I am drinking enough, but now I can't take care of myself. And so... What starts to happen is you start to regulate what you're drinking because you know when the care is going to be there. And I play this game with myself all the time. And I admit it's probably not super healthy and it's probably not the best game to play. But I will super regulate what I drink when I travel and sometimes in my home too when I'm, when I'm just sitting here and I know that I'll see an attendant in two hours. I drink a lot then or, I, you know... I'll wait until I know someone's there. And this makes it really hard for me to have, for me as a disabled person, to stay properly hydrated. I'm constantly being told by doctors that I'm dehydrated. And it's because I don't drink enough, because I have to regulate, because I don't have constant care. And I, I can't always get access to my care workers to go pee and to have that kind of help as I needed. So, and I've talked to so many other disabled people out there in the world who have told me the same thing, that they totally, completely regulate their drinking. So many people have told me that, that they don't drink a lot so that they don't have to ask for too much. 
so they don't have to constantly be taking the attendant away from other people who need them, which doesn't feel super good. But so many of us do this. So many of us, um, so many disabled people don't drink enough water because we have to regulate because care is not on demand and that can be that can be hard to reconcile with and that's why so many medical professionals will tell most disabled people particularly those with complex disabilities that they are dehydrated for sure and it's not the right way to do it but it's what happens for a lot of us and that's all because of inaccessibility of care and of the spaces we live in for us to get our own water. Let's move on for a minute and talk about drinking tea and the inaccessibility of drinking tea um, because that's super inaccessible too to a lot of us. And let me explain why. Um, drinking tea is also inaccessible because many stovetops are unreachable and the idea of putting, for me especially as somebody with spastic CP, the idea of putting hot water from a kettle to a mug, if you have sensory disabilities, spasms like I do, etc., feels super danger bay, friends. I want to know how the Brits with disabilities across the pond who have sensory disabilities or pain make tea every day and don't worry about burning themselves all the time. I know I have friends in the, across the pond who could answer this. How do you do this without hurting yourself? I would love to know. Keep me in the know and keep me super informed. I would love to know how you do this. How do you not worry about constantly burning yourself? Listen, we all know that disabled people are hot. TM, TM, TM. But nobody wants to be hot from third degree thickness burns because they had a spasm and whipped hot tea around the room. Nobody wants to do that, am I right? That's not a thing that anybody wants to have happen to them. So I think we need to find a way to make this whole listicle of just drink a nice cup of tea. We need to find a way to make tea drinking and tea making more accessible to disabled individuals. Are there special kettles? Are there special like pot holders? Are there special things that you can put over the kettle so you don't burn yourself. Is there an accessible tea-making kit that I don't know about? But I feel like to just put it there and not think about um, a poor disabled person trying to make the tea, burning themselves, they should have put that in the listicle too. And they should have said, like, if you have this kind of disability, have somebody make the tea for you or have somebody help you with the tea. That's I just feel like so much of that is not speaking to the disabled person again, and it makes me really upset. And all I can picture is me having a spasm and launching tea across the room and scalding myself. Nobody wants that, or scalding somebody that I am into trying to go on a date with. Nobody wants this, but that's what I feel, and I feel like drinking tea and making tea is inaccessible. Also, when I put hot drinks in my mouth, I have a spasm and I launch whatever I'm holding across the room. So even drinking tea, not just making it, but also drinking it can be, for me anyway, inaccessible. Any other disabled peeps feel that way? Let me know. When I was going through the listicles, I saw one that made me laugh out loud when I saw it because the way the author wrote about it made it seem so simple and so easy and for so many of us, we know how impossibly untrue that is. And here's the one I saw. The author said, for self-care, to do something self-care for yourself, you could stand up, simply stand up straight. Stand up straight. Just stand up straight. And I, of course... Being a full-time wheelchair user was just like, <laughs> yeah, right, that's not happening. No way, Jose. No way, sir. I am not doing that. No way. Um, and the author says in the listicle, I know I sound like your 90-year-old grandmother. And my first thought was, hello, ageism is a real thing. Please don't do that. Like, that just is not very nice. 
And they, they also said, but you can breathe better and you can build more confidence just from standing up straight. And the, the only thing I could think was, um, excuse me, disabled people can be confident even if they can't stand up? In fact, many disabled people who can't stand or who can only stand intermittently and are, are ambulatory wheelchair users have to build a larger sense of confidence because they can't stand 100% of the time. So get out of here with your ableism, listicle, Linda. Jeez. You could have one for wheelchair users and part-time wheelchair users that was like, try your best to sit up straight if you're able to, but if you can't, do your best. But the whole idea that this person tied standing up straight to confidence made me feel like, fuck your ableism. No way I don't agree with that. No way that's true. And it just sucks that, again, we see this in print and we don't see any consideration for individuals who can't stand up or can't stand up 100% of the time. And I don't think that is very fair. And like I said, I have built my confidence entirely by not being able to stand. And you know what? I'm fucking okay with that. So I just think that to have to actually have self-care, a self-care piece that says stand up straight just is super ableisty and made me literally like laugh out loud. Um, I have scoliosis and cerebral palsy. There's no way in fuck I'm ever going to stand. Um, I'm a full-time power wheelchair user. I'm never going to stand. But I think that I am crippled and confident. So, yeah. On a lot of the listicles, I also saw this. I saw, put on a face mask or try a new perfume. And this one made me think about all of my friends who are disabled folks or chronically ill folks who also have disabilities related to scent and disability related to different perfumes and different smells and different, all that kind of stuff. And every single listicle that talked about putting on a face mask or trying a new perfume categorized it like this. Try a snazzy or jazzy perfume or face mask to brighten up your face today to make you feel really like you care about yourself or some bullshit like that. And all I could think as a disabled person and a chronically ill person was, I wouldn't want to try either a face mask or a new perfume if it meant that I couldn't breathe at all anymore that day. None of that feels appealing to me, and none of that feels like self-care to me at all. All I could hear in my head was an ad that was like, wear this sexy perfume on your way to the hospital as you quickly lose the ability to breathe. Or I also heard this. This face mask will have you looking your best as you wait in the ER for a doctor for hours. And I kept hearing this over and over and over again because I was like, that's what a person with scented disabilities and sensory issues like that would feel if they put on a new perfume or a new face mask or a new lotion and they had a reaction. This is what they would go through. And I know people with mast cell disabilities and mast cell chronic conditions really have a hard time with that. My friend... Uh, Rachel Rachel Rose from Hedonish talks about that all the time and talked about that in a previous episode. And I just think that these self-care regimens need to consider this too and need to consider what somebody with invisible disabilities would go through or scent disabilities would go through when trying to put on a, a face scrub or a perfume or a lotion. And they don't consider that and they really should. Okay, so now I wanted to do I wanted to do a quick inaccessible mention. The ones that I don't want to do a full discussion of, but ones that I found that I just thought were like totally inaccessible. I wanted to very briefly mention them to you. So a whole bunch of listicles said that you could burn a candle for for calmness and light and blah 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 blah. And we talked about we've talked about the inaccessibility of candles before. We know that nobody wants to burn down their house because they were holding a candle and they had a spasm. Nobody wants that. Then another one that I saw that I want to do an inaccessible mention for was 
do yoga. And I just kind of rolled my eyes when I saw that because we all know that yoga does not cure disability. Yoga is not a cure-all for the disabled community. And it's mentioned to us all the time. Even I've written articles about yoga and disability. Um, it's mentioned a lot. And in looking at some of the, the common yoga positions, um, they would be impossible for disabled people to achieve. And who knows, maybe I'll do an episode on yoga positions that are not accessible for anybody ever, or especially not accessible for disabled people. Although I know there is disabled yoga out there. Uh, my friend at Wellness by Nora on Instagram does does disabled yoga, and you should talk with her because she can give you actually accessible tips. But the average person talking about yoga and writing about yoga as a self-care tip doesn't consider or factor in disability at all. One of the other ones that I want to talk about very briefly was... They said, oh, you can go to the go to the park and go to the playground and be a kid again. And I love the idea of going to the park, but the inaccessibility comes at so many of the things at the playground that, that you want to play in as a kid, like the slides and the swings and the sandbox. None of those are actually accessible to me or to other disabled people out there. So... I couldn't see myself going down the slide on my own as self-care. I couldn't see myself getting put on the swing as self-care. I can see all all of the, the hospital visits I would have to have for doing that, but I couldn't see myself doing those things as self-care. But if you want to see a 37-year-old disabled man stuck in his wheelchair in the sandbox at the park, sure, that's totally, totally doable. And then another inaccessible mention for self-care that I want to quickly highlight was I saw this a bunch on a bunch of listicles. Do something spontaneous. And this made me laugh again because all I could think was, have you ever met a disabled person? We all know that we have to schedule everything in our lives all the time. And yeah, right. Sure, sure. Let's just go be spontaneous. That's just no, no, no. So I just thought that was funny and totally inaccessible. But now I, wa I want to talk about some self-care stuff that is actually accessible. So let's do that now. So some self-care stuff that actually I did find to be accessible. A lot of people said you should watch your favorite show or binge your favorite show on Netflix. And to make that accessible, I would say watch your favorite show on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever program it is you use, Disney Plus or Hulu. But do so with the subtitles on. I love watching TV with subtitles. I have a lot of issues with paying attention and processing, and I think that subtitles make it easier for me to pay attention. And this works great for people who who can't pay attention, also for the deaf or hard of hearing community, um, or communities rather. This is this is an accessible thing to self-care. Watch your favorite show with the subtitles on. Another thing that I saw that could be accessible for self-care is you could sit in the grass and watch the clouds go by. This is, again, totally accessible if you can get your mobility device in the grass and not get stuck in the grass, because that's happened to me a bunch of times, trying to go into, into grassy knolls and getting totally stuck. Um, also, if you're not allergic to grass and allergic to scents and pollen and, and different weather conditions to watch the clouds go by. That's great. Um, another self-care thing that I thought could be accessible was to take a mental health day. And I think we all should do that. But I think that especially if you have disabilities, you should write down how disability plays a role in your mental health. Make a list of how disability impacts your mental health. Talk about that. Write about that. Take the day, or you know, not even don't even take a mental health day. Say to your employer or say to somebody that you need to take a disability day because your disability is flaring up, your disability is bothering you, you are feeling some internalized ableism, and you just need a disability day. I think that's more than fair to ask for that. One of the things that I saw 
on a lot of the listicles also was to write down 10 things you are grateful for. So I said you should write down 10 things you are grateful and gimpy for. And so to do that, you could write down what are 10 things about your disability that makes you smile? What are 10 things about your disability that make you feel good about yourself? What are 10 things about your disability that bring you disabled joy? Write those down and see how that impacts you for self-care. There were so many more things on self-care, like I said, that I want to explore. So like I said, we'll probably do a self-care episode two at some point. But I want to know what self-care things you find accessible or inaccessible. And you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and let us know or tweet me at andrewgerza underscore on social media. Send me an Instagram DM. Let me know your thoughts on all those things. And let me know what's inaccessible or accessible for you in terms of self-care. Thanks for listening to this one, friends. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, everybody. Well, that's another beautiful episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. Thank you so much for sticking around and for listening and being there for every episode of the show. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com and you can book me for talks and see more of what I'm doing. You can also follow me on my Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore. That's where I do a lot of my disability justice and social justice stuff around disability. Have a lot of great conversations around disability and try to make disability accessible to everyone there. So follow me there. If you want to follow the podcast, you can download it on any podcast player, as well as you can go to the, our Twitter, our Disability After Dark Twitter, DisAftDarkPod on Twitter. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to support the show, again, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark to pledge as little as $1 a month or $5 a month. Also, please, wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a five-star review. It really helps getting getting the show noticed. Also, if you want to be on the show, pop me an email at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Let me know your suggestions for show ideas, things you want to hear on the show, stories about disability that you want a light shone on. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your delectable host, Andrew Gerza. Let's stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll be back soon. Thanks, friends. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021